Hi, everyone, and happy May Day. On behalf of the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education, I'd like to welcome you to the War Memorial Opera House and the San Francisco Ballet Meet the Artist program. I'm Cheryl Osola, a writer for San Francisco Ballet and editor-in-chief of Dance Studio Life magazine. And I am very happy to have as my guest tonight, Elise Bourne, a stager for the George Balanchine and Jerome Robbins Trusts. Please welcome her. I'd also like to welcome those of you who listen to the Meet the Artist interviews via podcast. If you're tuning in, this interview is being recorded on Thursday, May 1st, 2014. You can find these podcasts on our website, sfballet.org, and uh, you'll also find other things like dancer bios, the company's blog, Open Studio 455, casting information, and adult education events. My guest, Elise Bourne, gained her extensive knowledge of George Balanchine's and Jerome Robbins' works while training at the School of American Ballet and while dancing for 13 years with New York City Ballet, first in the corps de ballet and later as a soloist. After retiring from the stage, she became a ballet master both here and at Miami City Ballet. Today, she travels the world staging more than 40 ballets by George Balanchine and Jerome Robbins. You've seen her hand in many ballets here, including Balanchine's Divertimento No. 15, Jewels, Theme and Variations, Symphony in C, The Four Temperaments, and Serenade. She also assisted on Robbins' West Side Story Suite. And we invited her here tonight because she staged the production of Balanchine's Agon that you'll see, uh, which she also staged in 2002. If you're just coming in, I'm interviewing Elise Bourne, a stager with the George Balanchine and Jerome Robbins Trusts. So Elise, as a stager, also called a repetiteur, you fly under the radar a bit your role is not that well known to the public. But it's a really critical role, one that I think of as a kind of guardian of ballet. Um, often in, in these Meet the Artist interviews, people ask about the authenticity of ballets, particularly the classics. Um, and that's exactly what you do. Your job is to make sure that the ballets you stage are as authentic as possible. So you told me once that there's no mystery about what the ballet should look like as a whole, but there are plenty of mysteries about steps and counts and music and history. So I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about what you do and how you do it. Well, tonight you've got the epitome of all the mysteries with the counts and the music in Agon. It's the... Uh, King, queen, emperor, empress of <clears throat> all the difficult... Sorry, I'm sick, so forgive me if I cough and wheeze a little. Um, of all the ballets, the Stravinsky scores, it's not just the counting, which is a bear, 5, 12, 8, 11, 7, 4, 4, 4, 4, 3, 5, and then cannons, which is where, um, like in Row, Row, Row Your Boat, you know, like a round, where one starts, another comes in, another comes in, and to keep the continuity of that, but sometimes they're only one count apart, 
And the hardest part of it is that you can't exactly hear where to put the counts in the music. So everybody's counting like crazy, but unless you know where the counts belong in the music, it's, uh, it's a fruitless effort. I mean, it's very difficult. So we've got, we've got a lot of math going on in addition to the dancing, the style, the steps. Um, this one is really all about the musicality. When, when I go someplace to teach something, I mean, people say, what do you do? You just get up and you help them dance. And I go, no, I go into an empty room with people that don't know anything. And when I leave, there, there's a ballet. Well, hopefully, there's a ballet. And, um, and then to try and work on it and rehearse it style-wise. And everybody has their own stamp, so to speak. Like, we all come from Balanchine background, but mine will look a little different than somebody else's, maybe to a very trained eye. You know, maybe not, maybe it look the same to you. Um, but there's always something new to be learned. Uh, I spend probably more time studying than I do actually staging. And I've just acquired this time a, a video that was made for television from the original cast of Agon from 1960 which I have found fascinating. And of course, a lot of the choreography has changed over the years. And some of it was changed by Balanchine and some of it just, you know, things morph. Like when you, the, you play telephone and you whisper it on one end and by the time it comes out the other, you've got a whole different sentence. The same thing can happen with a ballet. It's not, it's not a score of music. It's not a sculpture or painting. It's really passed down from human to human. And so it has its own life, and um, very tricky to try and, and find the, the information to put together as close to the real, real, the original or whatever, not always original, but the, the way Balanchine left it. You know, you, can't, you don't always have the resources. They weren't filming so much in those days. And so this was kind of a little gold mine, this, this new video, some more insight, and some more, more information I always think is more information. You told me once that your thumb was the most exer exercised part of your body with all that playback, playback. I see the whole world as a television. <laughs> so, so the process you go through, you're watching videos, you know, of later performances, if, if not the originals. You're talking to people who were in the ballets. You were in many of the ballets. Um, and you've got the musical scores to look at. You know, often there are notes in there that are revealing. So specifically, um, you know, what's most useful to you? And when you have to make a judgment call, as you do have to, um, you know, you get, you know, five dancers in a room, and they'll all say, "No, you do this here," and somebody else will say, "No, you do that there." Um, how, what's your priority for, for making those judgment calls? Well, if I have five videos and they're doing the first step, three of them are doing it the same, I'll take that one. On the next video, four of them are doing but the ones on the first video weren't doing it, I'll take that one. I literally learned five different videos of, of the ballet, or six, or eight, whatever I can get my hands on, and learn every one of them. And then whatever is the most popular, I have to figure is the right thing unless it's something that I danced, which, you know, I couldn't dance everything. I was just a short girl. I was never a man. I was never, I was never an Agon. I did, uh, on, a, on a concert gig once in Paris for uh, Misha, Peter, Peter Martins, and Baryshnikov 
gig where they only took four girls and three guys. So I did the first pas de trois only, just as an excerpt. But I was, I, I was, that was for tall girls, and I couldn't be that. So it's a, a lot to learn. Um, you said that, you know, in, in dancing in the core, unbeknownst to you at the time, it was actually an advantage to um, going into this kind of work because as a member of the core, you're seeing everything. Principals might not be in a lot of rehearsals, they're only going to rehearse their parts, whereas the corps de ballet is more present. So, um, you know, you were able to observe a lot. What, uh, you know, what do you retain from that? You know, you, you weren't thinking you were going to be staging ballets, you know, all across the world. Um, do you, do you rely on your memory? Do you talk to other people and say, hey, I'm foggy on this part. What do you recall? Well, all of it. Sometimes there's muscle memory, which is, that's just always there. It's so funny you say, I don't remember a step of that. I was in the third movement of Brahms, the middle ballet. The only part I ever did in Brahms was the third movement core, like 12 girls, big core. And I haven't given it a passing thought since, I don't know, I haven't been in Brahms in 30 years. And the first rehearsal that I watched, okay, I remember that. You hear the music and all you do is see it once and that comes back. And the thing, what's so funny is if you ever danced it once, one, one show, you remember it. If you understudied it, or you, it doesn't come back the same way for some reason, if you've done one performance, it comes back. So there's a lot of that memory. There's an awful lot of video work. A lot of video work. And then, of course, working along the way with other people. I wind up with Suzanne Farrell or Lala or Peter, well, whoever. There, you get more information. And some, sometimes it's good information. Sometimes it doesn't apply anymore. But I'm always interested. I'm always interested to learn more things. I'm curious about... You know, when you're watching videos, and, and uh, so we, we just talked about Agon, and, and um, you know, with, with, like any choreographer, George Balanchine would at times in, in later performances adapt a step to the dancer who's, who's doing it, who, who didn't create the role. So when you're watching videos or, or dredging up the memory banks, are you going to go back to that original? Step or are you can go I, with I the do. later. I, I whatever I can get. The older, the better. Um, I love to show the dancers the videos. I know some some repetitors don't like to show the video. They shouldn't see a video. They shouldn't look at that or copy that. Or, and I love to show it to them. And I say, do not copy this. This is not to copy. You should be yourself because they haven't computerized us yet. So we should bring our own personality to the dance. Each I want to see what each individual does. But it's so nice to see the point of departure. Where did this come from? Oh, wow, look at Arthur Mitchell. That's fascinating. He's, the way he moved or the way the Potter de went or the sentiment. Or, I think it's great to look at other, other choices. So don't, don't just look at me. Well, certainly don't look at me. Not now, but <clears throat> they have to a little bit. I mean, they've got to learn it from somewhere. But I, I like to show it. And the men, I like to show two men's dance. Hey, look at these two men. I think these, you know, New York City Ballet, somebody that I like. And I think, I just think you have something to gain from it. Just don't copy it. You don't want to emulate another person. 
that I wouldn't like. Does it help if you teach the ballet first and then suggest they look at it as opposed to seeing the video beforehand? I don't have a, any thoughts about that. I teach it, and if I'm not making my point, to put it on. I, I, after, during, doesn't really matter. Sometimes, um, especially for the men's dances and partnering, sometimes it's just good to look at a guy. That sounds chauvinistic, and I'm a woman saying it about myself. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to look at a guy. Like life. Okay. If you're just coming in, I'm chatting with Elise Bourne, a stager for the George Balanchine and Jerome Robbins Trusts. So just briefly, let's go back to Agon, um, because you were talking about that, that uh, rather challenging Stravinsky score, as, as his scores always are. Um, and, and one of the interesting things about this is, is that the, the dance counts don't necessarily coincide with the music counts in the sense that, for example, the dancers start half a beat before the music does at the very opening of the ballet. So, you know, you, like you were talking about, you can't just count it. It's where the where the choreography is placed within that score. Could you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah. This is a score that you kind of need to live with, um, which I've been doing for the last few months. But, you know, of course, they have a very busy schedule. And um, a lot, a lot six ballets, six big ballets going on right now and not a lot of time. And I'm, I'm you know, go home at 11 o'clock at night and listen to Agon, probably not at the top of the list, but um, it's one of those that you just have to listen to, listen to, listen to, listen to, listen to, because it's also very difficult for the orchestra to play. And if one note gets dropped, the orchestra rehearsal, okay, one note got dropped, I throw them all off. I say, I know it well enough that I knew that it, the music was still going in the right beat, just keep going, not to stop and not to get flustered by it. But just one dropped thing can, you know, throw everybody off kilter. It's, I don't know what they were thinking 1957. I don't think that they had too much problem with it, and I'm not sure how or why, but it's, it's such a tough one. But we're going to do it tonight. And they'll do it. I'm well. not. I'm going to sit and watch. <laughs> well, yeah, and Glass Pieces has its own kind of musical challenges, too. I remember talking to Betsy Erickson, one of the company's ballet masters, a few years ago, and, and, and the score is in eight, but it's, the, the choreography is not necessarily. Some dancers may be doing phrases that are in eight. Others may be doing five, five, and six, which adds up to 16, which is two eights. Um, and this can happen simultaneously. So This is the same with Agon. It's the same. There's a castanet solo, which you'll see in the second pas de trois. And there are somebody here playing castanets, and they play the beat all the way through her solo. They play one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five. And the boys clap on the side with the, quietly. No sound, we hope. One, two, three, four, five, six. All the way through, it's all sixes. But her steps go five seven seven five seven five five seven. 
and then she picks up with one, two, three, four, five, six. So it's the same math, though. They say, really? We have to count it five, seven, seven, five? I go, no, you can count it 15 and one. You can count it eight and eight, you know, whatever you want. How, it's still going to total six, 12, 18, 24, whatever. It's going to still be the same math. Count it as you like, 11 and five, whatever you like. But that's the way it's choreographed. So while you've got the music going, one, two, three, four, five, six, she's counting fives and sevens. It's confusing. Which, of course, affects the phrasing. And, and I, re I remember watching, uh, oh, now I'm going to go blank on which ballet it was, but it was a Stravinsky score. And they actually counted it two different ways, and, and it changed you know, how, the, how the steps were inflected. So it was interesting to see. And then you have to dance it well and be pretty and smile, too. So, so going back to glass pieces, um, right after you retired from the New York City Ballet, you were hired by Dance in America to script glass pieces for a show about Jerome Robbins. Yeah. What did that entail? Well, glass pieces is funny. I was in the company when he choreographed it, and Jerry actually really liked me, so I don't know why I wasn't in it. I don't get it. Should have been in there. I should have been one of those first three couples in there. But anyway, I was never in glass pieces. And um, yeah, I, st I did the first two weeks of rep before Nutcracker, and I said, no more Nutcracker. And I retired on my 30th birthday. And the next day, I got a phone call from Judy Kimberg, the producer of Dance in America. We're doing a Jerome Robbins special. Would you like to work on it? I was like, wow, I'd love to. So I went in right away, and they, said, they showed me how to do it for the put the camera shots. To make, you make a script, on one side you write all the action, and you leave the other side empty to put in the camera shots. So for a whole weekend, I was in the uh, WNET building. There were only a few other people working there, and with the music, and I had, they showed me, that they say, girl, enter upright, like, a, like looking at a television set, they don't look at it like a stage. She enters upright, it's like she comes in at the top of the TV, or girl, kick right, because the cameramen don't know ballet, you can't say PK arabesque. The whole of glass pieces, and you'll see, it's massive, massive, massive. And the music, <clears throat> the music just goes da 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 but then, um, then uh, I was supposed to be doing, working with the director, Emil Ardolino, and then like two weeks later, Jerry Robbins came on board and he demanded that I be his assistant on the program. So that was, that was super fun and that was a super big insight into what Jerry wanted and um, precision. Jerry Robbins is all about precision and accuracy. I'm the same, every show, <laughs> exact. After a rehearsal period in which there were five or six versions of something, and then he'd say, do version three. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> he was famous for that. Oh yeah, he was special. <laughs> so um, you danced Brahms Scherenberg Quartet, um, but uh, you did not stage it for us. Francia Russell, who's the co-artistic director of Pacific Northwest Ballet, did that. Um, so, so now, 
you know, having that in your memory banks only as a dancer, not as a stager. Um, when you look at it on stage now, do you, does, does your perception of it change? You know, do you see it differently from when you were performing it versus looking at it with a stager's larger mindset? No, now I want to dance all the parts. Now I want to be in that last movement very badly. Why do you see this? Well, I mean, we didn't watch it always because we're finished after the third movement and then take off your makeup. But we'd go nuts in the dressing room taking off our makeup with the music from the fourth movement. You should all, you're all get up and dance tonight during the fourth movement. It's a shardash, it's fab. I, lo I, w I was sitting watching it today and thinking, I want to do that. Next life. Yes, indeed. So, uh, George Balanchine died 31 years ago yesterday, actually. And I just wondered if he were sitting here with us, what would you ask him about his work? Oh my God. One thing? Well, I need to keep him for weeks. I always say that, I have questions. You're talking to anybody, I've got some real questions. I have questions about everything, but I mean, I want steps. I want versions. I know what he would say. I know what he would say to me. Just pick one, dear. <laughs> I'm sure that's what he would say. He used to say, when I'm gone, it's all going to be gone anyway. And yet it's not. Thank goodness. So if we're going to have Mr. Balanchine here, I think we should invite Mr. Robbins in. What would you ask him? I, I, I'd like to see them both. <laughs> here. Maybe you should ask him why you weren't in glass pieces. Oh, I definitely want to know that. Yeah, I want to know that too. I think he should have been. Well, I'm going to open this up to questions from all of you. So uh, we do have limited time, so I ask you to keep your questions brief and one per person, and I see a hand. Um, and the musicians and dancers, while being faithful to the score or the choreography, nevertheless create their own interpretation. I was wondering if you do that yourself when you're trying to put this uh, piece on this company now. Are we going to see the Balanchine flag? <coughs> The question is, when she's staging, how much influence does she have from her own personal um, input into the ballet? Does it become influenced by you? Theoretically, it does. But absolutely, it's not my version. I don't have a version. <laughs> I always say, they say, oh, we really liked your version of that. I go, well, it, here's the videos. It is not the only, I mean, I can... <clears throat> when I have the time, I can I can work on style, and like that, that could be that would be subject to I guess my taste, but um, it's not my version. Yeah. I, it's it's a piece it's a piecemeal from what I learned from Pat Neary when she first staged it here, and my New York City ballet tapes from 1982, 1983, and 1984, and now 1960. 
So it's a, it's a mix of those five things, but it's mostly like my New York City ballets from 1982 and three and four, except where they're making the mistakes. Hopefully we wouldn't recreate that. Yes. Have you developed any system of note-taking? Me, myself, my own notes? Or you mean in general, repetitors? Well, I'm pathetic. <laughs> I am so pathetic in the notes department. I am so lazy in the notes department. You have no idea. I have, um, I don't make copies, which is really bad. For most of my ballets, I have like whatever hotel I'm in that I'm sitting with my DVD player, I have a little hotel pad. And I only write down just what I don't want to have to remember. Like if there's a traffic pattern or somebody to start on different feet, most people write down the entire ballet. And Jerry Robbins used to make his repetitors and his ballet masters come with their notes and show their notes and he would have to approve their notes. Good thing it wasn't me. Agon is the only ballet that I have some notes, like real notes. <clears throat> I have every count, because the first I learned it, I was a ballet mistress here. And I learned it when Pat Neary staged it, I was her ballet mistress. So I had to write down all the counts. And then slowly I've put a few actions over the counts. And then I added some real steps when I had to go stage it which I never read because it takes too long to read it. But I have them. Isn't that interesting? He said taking the notes helps embed it in your memory. And a lot of people say that. As soon as I write it down, I don't learn it. I'm just, I'm so backwards, huh? I'm really the opposite. If I write it down, I don't learn it. I'm better off, but I, I do. Some dancers used to call them my cocktail napkins because they're all in these little hotel pads. But anyway, that's my, you know, so far it's, it's worked out okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, the question is, um, when you were at New York City Ballet, that's a steep learning curve, and who helped you, who helped you the most in that process? Do you mean as a dancer? As a dancer. L learning ballets in general, I'm, I'm thinking? New York City Ballet is a unique animal to this day. Um, <clears throat> they don't have a lot of rehearsal time. And you have to do an awful lot of homework. A lot of homework. Like, they teach it to you one day, and the next day you're not, you're, you don't go back. Like, we'll spend an hour reviewing what did we do yesterday. No, 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 not in New York City Ballet. You get together with your friends or whoever, you go over it on your own time, and you move on ahead. I still have nightmares now, so many years later, 28 years later, 
where the, the ballet goes three times in a three-month season, and it, they don't go back-to-back. Back. You know, it goes once, and then five weeks later it goes again, and three weeks later maybe it goes again. And I have this nightmare that I didn't know it very well, and, I ha and they don't have a rehearsal again. You just get on the stage, you're supposed to know it. And I have these nightmares where I don't remember it. I did it eight weeks ago, and I don't know the steps. Um, so the answer to that question is you don't get a lot of help at New York City Ballet. Um, you, you, help, you helped each other, and you, there was a lot, lots of homework. Um, and I think they're still like that now. I have friends here that go to New York City Ballet all the time. They're like that now, right? Not a lot of rehearsal, not never enough. Sometimes I think that the Balanchine Ballets are better rehearsed. Here. I think we have time for one very quick question, if anybody has a short one. What's the, how did we pass on the ballets before the videos? Not old enough to know. <laughs> I think they did. I think people wrote things down. They've just uncovered a whole bunch of stuff in Russia from like the 1800s. I'm not sure how accurate it is. And I'm not sure what language they did use. I think in the 70s they came up with two kinds of dance notation, which I don't know how to do. Um, lots of companies in Europe use that that. Uh, notation, and they have people who are called choreologists who aren't even really called ballet masters, and their job is to notate and then recreate from this book of uh, dance notation. And prior to that, I don't really know. I think it was from person to person. And if it didn't happen for years, and then somebody came back and said, I remember it. It was this. But who knows if it was? But what are we going to say? No? You're wrong? No. I don't we are out of time. I would like to thank all of you for coming tonight. Thank you, Elise, for being here. And please uh, have a great evening with tonight's performance. <laughs>